Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It is indeed uh, time for parenting. Uh, before we go to it, though, uh, just to let you know, uh, the, uh, the, the MP res- resignation figure is now 28. Uh, uh, Parliamentary Private Secretary Duncan Baker uh, is the latest one to uh, walk away. And uh, right now, uh, uh, Boris is sitting in front of some sort of committee. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, we're up to twenty nine. Sorry, good God, it's breaking. It's breaking like that, and it's it's moving really fast. Right, we're up to twenty nine now. He's uh, he, uh, Boris has his best sincere face on. Anyway, Joanna Fortune uh, is joins us once again. Afternoon, good Joanne. afternoon. Uh, first question is this: My neighbour is twelve. And we've always been close because I live nearby and have never had children of my own. And being the eldest grandchild in our family, he always got uh, gets special attention. Over the last year or two, he's been confiding in me a lot. He'll pop over after football or over a cup of hot chocolate. He'll tell me what's going on in his life. It's the usual stuff like falling out with a friend in class or he's struggling with a subject in school. Or sometimes he'll tell me things that are going on at home between his mum and dad. As an uncle, I love this time with him and I'm starting to worry that I'm somehow overstepping the mark and he, should be, he shouldn't be saying these things to his parents. I know he's not telling them what he's telling me. I've asked them and, and I can see they are becoming increasingly concerned that he's not sharing with them. Should I be encouraging my nephew to go to them instead of me? They have asked me to tell them everything he says, but I know he'd feel betrayed if he found out. I think this is a really interesting question because, yeah. you know, he's 12 and this is all already going on a couple of years and I find myself curious um, about who else is at home and is this an opportunity for this little boy to have very special one-to-one focus and attention with an uncle who's really willing audience and available you know really kind of yes tell me everything I'm interested and want to know and I think that's really lovely there's nothing wrong with that Mm. and I think what a resourceful little kid to find a place where this is my time this is over the hot chocolate there's something really warm nurturing and rich about it. Like I know he's 12, you know, with teenagers, you see this a lot more. And I think this is nice that it's setting up an expectation and a tradition that he has this space because it's really normal for teenagers to seek increased privacy, independence and pull away from their parents, you know, in other words, to tell them less and parents end up wanting to know more. So what is important at that kind of preteen and into those early teenage years is that he has a safe, trusted adult in his attachment network. This isn't a random person in his life. It's his uncle Mm. and, you know, with whom he's open. As parents, I think it must be really hard. I can empathise with parents going, why is he telling you and not me? Now, you must tell me everything he says. No. Yeah. No, I mean, it's okay that they want to know everything. That's understandable, but that doesn't mean they get to. Because actually the reassurance is he's talking to someone. He's talking to someone you know, that he's safe with, that you all trust. And this is part of his growing up journey. And I think just protect the space, the boundary now that everyone, including the little guy, as well as uncle and parents, everyone needs to be clear on is that if he tells you something that would require parental involvement, parental response or intervention, you will involve them and that they trust this uncle enough to know, well, if it reaches that point, we will be involved. And otherwise, how nice that he has someone to sit with and talk about these things with. As parents, you can, of course, you know, make clear that you're very available and interested. Mm. But equally, if, you know, he's the eldest in a family and there's lots of little kids and it's busy and there's lots of people vying for attention, 
maybe he's just very wisely found a space that's totally his. Yeah, it just struck me when I read this question that it, so many previous questions we've got when maybe there's, you know, they're a teenager usually mm-hmm. and they won't talk to the parents and you always say, if there's some other family member, Absolutely. like they're kind of, this is, you've got a guardrail already in there. This Absolutely. is actually a good thing. It's really important that our kids know that they're part of a system bigger than themselves and that beyond us, they know they've, uh, be it aunts, uncles, be it, you know, grown up cousins or grandparents, that they know that they can go to and that those people are there, present and available for them. I think what's really to be celebrated here is the fact that you have a little guy who, you know, I keep saying a little guy because he's preteen, but he is preteen that he likes to talk. Mm. He's open. I'd be celebrating that. Yeah, it's great. Given though it's the uncle, um, well, yeah, my, we don't know if it's actually an uncle or an aunt, but uh, uh, who wrote into us, they they will have to maybe explain something to the to the parents though about you know this. For well, instance, yeah. I won't be telling you everything they oh, said. Oh, absolutely, you know? it's, that's the boundary piece. That yeah. no, no, look, this is just a nice chat that he has. He wants to have a space where he can talk about casual things in his life, like what's going on with friends. And the important thing is he feels that he has this independent space. But obviously, if he says anything that remotely concerns sure, me yeah. or that I know would reach that threshold of, oh, your parents need to know. Of course, I'll come straight to you. Yeah. This is maybe a fickle question, but I think I need help in it. Am I doing the right thing by doing nothing? My daughter's eight. She's funny, sunny, creative, kind and sensitive. She's had a few bumps with COVID anxiety, but is doing a lot better now. The fickle part. A kid in school last year told her that she has a unibrow. She's asked about this numerous times, more so lately. I reassure her that she is perfect as she is, etc. I find her examining her brows in the mirror and she says she feels embarrassed about it. She's not on social media of any kind, even as parents. And I'm very body body positive with both the kids. It is kind of getting in her head. Should I bleach after a patch test, of course, or pluck the in-between line that causes the obvious shadow? My worry is I would then be sending the wrong message altogether by changing her. I mean, she's eight. Or do you think if it bothers you, we can change it? A better approach to stop her being self-conscious and curb it before it starts gnawing at her self-confidence. Girls can be so mean. Well, kids can be so mean. I don't think it's gender specific. But I'm going to start by saying I'm not going to give a clear answer on this because this isn't my call. This is very much a parent decision. Um, Though I do think, and I am the furthest thing from a salon professional and if anyone is listening they'll know far better on me than this I do think they tend to say 14 to 16 years old before you do anything around your eyebrows because of skin sensitivity it's nothing to do with you're too young for other reasons Mm. it's that the skin is too sensitive Um, I'd much rather by the way you talk about this with your daughter directly because what you don't want is she gets hold of your tweezers and and she takes matters Ah, quite literally into her own hands Um, the commentary is the issue like when we say you know it's kind of getting in her head it's the commentary not her eyebrows but the comment about the eyebrows that has gotten into her head and I Mm. wonder is there something to tease apart and explore with her about the impact the comment that it came from a friend or a peer in school and what that's about because do you know what you could address an eyebrow issue and then there's some other body related comment and now what do you do you know this is kind of the nature of things and I don't say that to minimise it because it can be very impactful. I think you have to go back to the comment and the effect it had and empathise with how she felt about her friend's comment. Emphasise
emphasising that the comment was unkind because we never pass remarks about people's bodies, what bodies look like. And really looking at opportunities to build up her confidence, but focusing, I mean, you were already doing this as a parent when you say you're very body positive, you know, what bodies can do rather than what they look like. You know, I do think that book, um, Bodies Are Cool, uh, Tyler Fetter, um, that book I find very useful because it quite, it includes body types of all kinds, mm. all shapes, sizes, colours, abilities, bodies with hair, bodies without hair, all kinds of eyebrows in there. You name it, it's in there. But it's very celebratory of, you know, this is what our bodies are about. And no bodies all look the same. And there isn't an ideal body type. So I think it's a really nice book because it celebrates in that way. But I also think in empathising with how this was for her, that you could wonder with her how she could respond if someone passes a comment about her body that, you know, again, through role playing with her because she's eight, you know, saying stop. It's not okay to talk about bodies. Don't do that. That's unkind. Yeah. Move on or some variation and you empower her to respond to it. So I mean, I guess I'm thinking, look, as a parent, if you want to do something with eyebrows, talk to a professional in that area and make a parental choice or decision. But for me, this isn't about an eyebrow fix. This is about the impact the comment had and a realisation that people look at your body and they judge it in particular ways. And and that's not a pleasant experience. Yeah. And that maybe you should always be a reaction to these things if people are being mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're right, it probably is a call from that. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a difficult yes one to, no, to advise one with the yeah. other, yeah. Ace, though, telling somebody they have Very a uni young. Brow. My I, I God. Don't, don't, you know, but I mean, look, at that child could have older siblings, could, yeah. you know, so it's, it's the word was unkind and I think that's the place that you go mm. to with it. We have two children, a two-year-old girl and a boy who's nearly four. I'm due a baby in October and our children will be moving childcare play school in September. My children currently attend a childminder along with other children and have been since they were about 10 months old. The minder has been wonderful, but unfortunately we have to move on. The new childcare would be a creche with built-in play school. We had visited and they both seemed to enjoy it, but I was wondering if you could offer me advice on how best to prepare them for this change. They are generally open to new experiences, but I know they will miss their current minder, as will I. I'm conscious that they will have a lot of change with the new baby coming shortly after the move to the new childcare. That is a lot, yes. There is a lot going on, but at the same time, the early indications are positive. So it's not a case that our children will always struggle with a change like this. The fact that you visited and they both seem to enjoy it, that's a good positive indicator that they may go, hey, this is fine. This is fun. Mm. I think what's, you know, really important is that you don't anticipate resistance too much because they won't let you down. (laughs) You know, if you're anticipating (laughs) it's going to be difficult, then it will be. So you just want to kind of be observing Okay, how is this sitting? How is this landing? Um, And, you know, the move to the new childcare is a month before the baby arrives. So you do have that kind of, give or take, four weeks to have them moved, settled in. That may be enough time. You know, yeah, for them yeah. to be fairly well settled. I think you need to be positive and excited. Now, not hyperactive. Positive and excited doesn't mean, you know, contrived hyper mm. behaviour. Um, but just be really happy about it when you drive by the new childcare place. Point it out. Pause if it's safe to do so. You know, pull in and say, look, let's look together. That's going to be where you go and play during the day and you'll meet new friends and you'll have so much fun. It's going to be so exciting. And you do that regularly so that they have an expectation of it, but also a familiar, a familiar awareness 
awareness of, oh, it's that place there that we drive by all the time. And I think that, you know, um, when they're coming out of it, especially initially, but it's a nice thing to do in general, ask them what the best bit of their day was when they're coming out. What was your favourite thing you did today? What was the favourite thing? So that they're really looking for something that was a lot of fun to do. I think for all of you, and I do really note in this, Sean, you know, that they'll miss their current minder, but so will the parent. And I think we have Mm. to acknowledge that for ourselves as parents, that we get very attached um, to the yeah, to the people who care for our children like part with of the us. family. Right? There's a big difference between that and going into kind of an, an institution. It's probably the wrong Absolutely. word, but you and know, that's how yeah. it should be. Ideally, yeah. you know that this is a really important role in young children's lives, and so these are really important people in our children's lives. So mark the end with your current childminder um, in some kind of a symbolic way. That could be drawing pictures, doing a card, you know, just something really nice. Okay, that's interesting now because yeah. it, my thought kind of. You mean we're never going to see her again kind of thing? I think it's important for children to have endings. I think, especially at the age they are, two and four, you don't want this really important adult in their lives just to disappear. Yeah. Because then I don't know where they went. Yes. And I don't have that kind of sense of, (gasps) is someone I'm now with going to disappear? I think Mm. a positive ending, that's celebration, it's about thanking. And it's this way that you've said, you know, it's time to move on, that this is about moving forward. And I'm guessing this is a place that has that kind of, you know, the preschool thing built in yeah, and yeah. you're going to be able to get in there and have them go through the next few years in one place. So come at it with a positive mindset. Yes, you can allow for some mild to moderate little wobble when they first start and they might go, but I don't want to go here. I want to go back to the other place mm. and say, oh, yeah, it was so much fun in the other place and it's so much fun in this place and redirect into what's good about this place. Give them a few weeks to settle in. But I would think early indications are positive here. So I'm going to go optimistic on it. Yeah. My son is 15 and has a bad hygiene regime. He has to be forced to shower. I washed his clothes and recently noticed that there were no boxers in there. And when I questioned him, he said the same pair had lasted a few days. <laughs> to say I was speechless is an understatement. He just doesn't see it as a priority. He may have overreacted and called him, I may have overreacted and called him disgusting and that no one will ever tolerate such poor hygiene. Not a partner, an employer or a housemate. I do regret being so harsh, but he needs to understand it's not okay to be like this. Apart from scrubbing in myself, how do I get him to change his ways? It's for the benefit of his health and the rest of us in the house. I mean, it was a big reaction, wasn't it? Yes, it was a big reaction. Nobody's going to tolerate you. (laughs) Partners, employers, housemates. He's 15. You're his housemate. So I think, you know, he's very much in the now. He's not projecting five, ten years down the road, nor should you. Um, And I know I'm hearing you say, you know, I do regret being so harsh, but he needs to understand. And I guess my question back to this parent is, so how do you expect him to understand? Did you talk about it with him? I wouldn't make an assumption he must know why he has to wash. Yeah. You know, I I think, you know, there's that bit of us going, of course he knows. How do we know he knows? Mm. Maybe he absolutely doesn't know. I think, you know, because you're saying you regret it and as parents, especially parents of teenagers, there will be many things that we snap, lose it, flip our lids, let fly about that we then regret. And what's really important when there's been a rupture in a relationship like that is that we go back and initiate repair. And I've said it before, but it's worth saying again that with with any child, but with teenagers in particular, no matter who is wrong or who said what or who started it, the initiation of repair is the responsibility of the parent. Yeah. Because it teaches them that your relationship is what matters more than being right, more than the row. So go back and say that you wish you had handled it differently. Ask for a do over. Tell them 
I love you. And part of being a parent is ensuring that you're safe and that you're healthy and well, well cared for. And everyone in this family will change their underwear daily and shower daily. <laughs> okay, everyone, not just him. Bed sheets are going to be changed weekly and clothes every second day. That these are your red line issues, minimum expectations. And it's not just a rule for him. It's what everybody does. Um, you know, you could also do a bit with him going, look, the last thing you want or I want is to be trying to nag you into the shower because you're too old to have someone telling you when to shower or change your underwear. So I have an expectation you will do this. I think as well with teenagers, though, it is worth explaining that this isn't just you having particular standards that don't make sense to him. That So talk to him about health aspects of hygiene. You know, that mm. if you don't change your underwear for days on end, I'm, I think I nearly shuddered actually just saying that. But, you know, if you don't, um, it traps sweat, dirt, bacteria. Mm. It holds them close to the skin. It causes an odour, skin irritation, genital irritation, oh, possible yeah. infection. Yeah. Like list out and be very specific about why this is you could go into gruesome detail. You could get actually, pictures. yeah, yeah. You could don't Google yeah. that. Don't yeah. Google no, those don't. things. But, like, but, but, I mean, but, or yeah. at least brace yourself if you're yeah. going to. And I think you know, I'm really curious to ask as well because I think it's important. It's not mentioned in this letter, but I'm just going to ask in case there are many, many teenagers who um, are doing this at home. Is you know. How's his mental health otherwise? Is his mental health otherwise really well? Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. slipping into, ne- not always, but sometimes slipping into negligent um, physical hygiene, personal hygiene can be indicative of something else. Um, it also, by the way, may be as simple and complex all at once of him just not valuing hygiene enough to give it time that he prefers spending and doing other things. Yeah. It could be I'm, that I'm, I'm kind of surprised though. I thought teenagers now, teenage boys that age would be kind of more, you know, Into they're their looking appearance. at girls or boys, but you know, they, you know, they want to smell nice and they don't want to be repellent. No. Some of them would be a fan of the old body spray and masking it or oh, at least yeah. telling themselves which that they can't really. flammable levels of body spray, <laughs> which, you know, is just <laughs> not going to do it. Um, but whatever way you approach this, be gentle, be loving, be curious. And yes, be firm. You know, yeah. like I said, look, everyone in this house is going to wash daily and change their underwear daily. This is my minimum expectation of you. Joanna, thanks a million Thank as you. ever. Uh, Joanna Fortune, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. The real bookseller of Kabul. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.